Hello, welcome to the Early Value NFL Betting Podcast. We're on to week 10, and tonight I've got the other half of the amazing Take the Points podcast, and it's Tage Seth joining me. How are you, Tage? Pretty good. Thanks so much for having me on today. I'm super excited to be here. I'll, uh, I know Arjun did pretty good when he came on here, so I'll uh, hopefully be able to back that up too. <laughs> Definitely, yeah, no pressure. I think uh, I think he won both of his bets. So, uh, so yeah, it's all on you to keep the uh, Take the Points podcast rolling. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, I'll, and, I'll definitely try my best. <laughs> definitely. And obviously, you're, you're also on the PFF forecast uh, most weeks as well, Tej? Mm-hmm. Yeah, go usually go on the PFF forecast Wednesday show and do basically what we're going to do today here, where, where we talk bets and give out some player props and, and different things like that. Yeah, the PFF forecast, another one, another one of the podcasts that I listen to every week. Really good, uh, really good conversation between you all. And the and the one on the late Sunday night with Arjun with the guests in the lines. It's um yeah, definitely a good one to listen to. Uh, obviously when we had Arjun on, he spoke to us a, a lot about the Taking the Points podcast now. But I just wanted to sort of ask you, Tage, how how did you get into the analytics side of of American football? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you know, it really started from a very young age for me. When I would get baseball cards, uh, like trading cards, I would always flip it to the back for each card because I wanted to see players' stats all the time. I wanted to see how many home runs they hit, how many run running uh, runs they they batted in, all that, all those different types of stats. And that kind of carried with me until I got to high school, where that's where I started really looking at football data because I I loved watching football. I loved talking about it with my friends, playing fantasy football, all that stuff. And so for me, that was just copy and pasting uh, data from Pro Football Reference into a Google Sheet where I could make a very simple graph just just for myself, just so I could see like kind of what, you know, maybe comparing quarterbacks between two different seasons. But once I got to college, I joined a club called the Michigan Football Analytics Society. And that's where I learned about advanced statistics, what expected points added means and how it's calculated, what completion percentage over expected is. And while I was learning these statistics, I still didn't know how to analyze football data until COVID happened. And so it was during my freshman year of college, uh, we got sent home from the dorms. We were, you know, at the, our home that we grew up in for, for a lot of us. And that's where I stumbled across uh, Ben Baldwin's tutorial on how to code using NFL data. And so I picked that up and I went through it probably five to 10 times just the same tutorial, just making sure I knew how to do every function that he had in the tutorial. And that's how I got into football and like specifically, I just started posting uh, the graphs that I made from his tutorial on Twitter and it kind of went from there. Wow. That's really good. I love that from such a young age getting into it because for myself, when I was young, it used to be soccer to yourself, Mm -hmm. football to us. uh, And yeah. And, and looking into it and playing the fantasy side of it and the, and then going on to other things. So I think that is is really good. And I think there's such a massive thing for analytics in the game. For me personally, I don't know if it's the same with yourself. I find it helps me a lot more in my player props side of betting mm-hmm. than mm-hmm. as much my sides, but that's possibly down to my own understanding of it instead of uh, that it not working. Do you? Does it work both for you or is it more... Do you find it more for um for the prop side to the to the actual betting sides? 
Yeah, I, I definitely think the prop side is where you can use data and analytics to really gain an edge. Uh, I, you know, for PFF, I write up two different props articles every week. And the one that's been really, really successful this year is my rushing yards props. And I've been using my metric that I created rushing yards over expected, which evaluates how good a rusher is. And you can see that, you know, rushers like Joe Mixon uh, until last week or <laughs> yeah, yeah. basically the whole yeah. season have performed pretty poorly and the market hasn't adjusted to it. So I've given out Leonard Fournette under his rushing yards prop every single week. Wow. And it's gone eight and zero this year. Yeah. So you can kind of pick up different things like that when you use advanced analytics to bet player props, a lot harder to bet spreads just because there's so much sharp money on different sides of spreads that they, they also understand analytics when, when sharps uh, make their bets. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Like you say, some of this uh, players going against man coverage, zone coverage, which mm-hmm. quarterbacks are better than that, all the information yourself provides and Sam Hoppen from the 4 for 4. Um, I'd like to say, I cannot speak highly enough of how much mm-hmm. that data helps on a week-to-week process of, of betting these players, overs, unders, as you say. Joe Mixon, I mean, it was the first week I backed him under this week and yeah, you would know it would just be typical. He'd absolutely go off, wouldn't you? Uh, it's, it's just it's a variance as well variance is always going to come in sometimes and mm-hmm. I think I'd still be looking less to mix and as you've said over as the season goes on but you're always going to get a blow up performance somewhere yeah for sure yeah it's, there's a lot of variance in player props because you know for for a player prop to go over like a rushing yards or receiving yards prop, you only really need one big play and it could go 40, 50 yards. So you just have to look at uh, explosive rate usually when when those types of things, like for example, A.J. Dillon, uh, as as good of a rusher as he is at getting five yards when they need him to get five yards, he never breaks off explosive runs. So I always feel more comfortable giving out his rushing yards under because he won't have the 40-yard run that could put him over uh, when, when other running backs have a higher chance of doing that. Okay, that would be interesting to look at maybe his longest rushing attempt some weeks and things like that. If that's sort of uh, the, the the general idea of him is he doesn't break a lot of big runs. Uh, obviously, Tej, you're a Lions fan. I've got to mention it. Not often, a, not often a no Lions fan, let alone get a Lions fan on the podcast. And to have you on after a superb winning week against the Green Bay Packers, obviously, was it a, a shock win for you? Did you expect the Lions maybe to pull this one out? I, I had a good feeling uh, going into the game, which is which is pretty unusual yeah. for me, just because when you looked at how the Lions matched up against the Packers, Packers receivers uh, can't separate against man coverage. That's their fatal flaw. And the Lions basically, you know, play mo- more man coverage than almost anyone in the league. So, like, there was a there was a good matchup advantage there. And, you know, Aaron Rodgers is just playing at a level, you know, he's never played the Lions at before. So, Lions kind of took advantage of that. But there was some luck involved with getting a, a you know a tipped interception and so many turnovers at the at the goal line, but it was a really cool win for the Lions. I thought it was a lot of fun. Definitely, I, I was one of the few that had backed the Lions in this game as well on the spread and early doors. I thought I was could have been in a twenty-one hole at uh, one point, but mm-hmm. uh, but it all worked out well. And is Aaron Rodgers a bit worrying with because some of these throws they it weren't that. It was a great play on by the lines. I think the throws were really bad, and the commentators didn't seem to mention it too much. It seemed to be more 
that they were they were saying how good of a play it was by the Lions defence then focusing maybe on maybe is Aaron Rodgers on that downward spiral. Mm-hmm. It definitely seems like it's very similar to the end of uh, the Mike McCarthy era in Green Bay where Rodgers is still has all the arm talent in the world and makes some you know insane throws three, four, five times a game, but. He's, he messes up in the, the rest of like the 80% of his throws with decision-making right now, with accuracy and with mobility. And I think like all those things are combining together for him to kind of spiral like you mentioned. Yeah, definitely. And another shock, the Bills obviously losing to the Jets. It looked like they were going to win comfortably again at the start of the game. And then it sort of went wrong. And now we're hearing Josh Allen may be out for a short while. He may, maybe not, but... Again, very worrying to how good of a season the Bills have had so far to what may <clears throat> sorry may happen over the next few weeks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Josh Allen had a similar injury like this to his UCL on his elbow in 2018 and missed about four games. Okay. So, you know, we don't we still don't know the severity of this injury, but if he does miss a game or two, uh, you know, it, it, it's going to be very, very difficult. You know, he has the second highest usage rate in the NFL behind uh, Patrick Mahomes. Uh, so, you know, no one is is as integral to their offense as, as Josh Allen is. So it's going to be very hard to to replace him uh, with, with Case Keenum there in Buffalo if he does have to sit out or play injured. But it could that could be a pretty big shift in who ends up getting the one seed in the AFC now because the one seed is more important than ever with a 17 playoff where they only get the bye. So that you know, if the if the um if the Chiefs are at, going to end up getting the one seed now because of a Josh Allen injury, that could really change the way that we bet team futures going forward into the playoffs. Yeah, and as a Chiefs fan, I'm not going to be complaining about anything the Chiefs get in that <laughs> one seed. So, uh, and what a, what a crazy twist of fate it will be with Case Keenum and the Minnesota Vikings this week <laughs> coming to town. That if if he does play, and Minnesota have maybe got away with a little bit of a look this year as well. They obviously played the two or less Miami uh, Dolphins mm-hmm. earlier this season. Now, possibly, they could be playing the Josh Allen-less Buffalo Bills. And um, how 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 do we then look at a team like Minnesota with this sort of thing happening? Mm-hmm. Yeah, when, when you look at like the underlying metrics of Minnesota, they're slightly above average in basically every category, whether it's pass offense, rush offense, rush defense, and pass offense. Like they're they're slightly above average in all those, but they're not elite in any metrics. So we can say that they're a good, well-rounded team, but they're probably not among the NFL's elite. We saw when they played the Eagles, uh, when both teams were at full strength in week two and kind of how that game went for them. So it's it's probably too early to you know, call Minnesota Super Bowl contenders, but they're going to end up with a really good record uh, this year. And, and you know, in a weak NFC, they could take advantage of some teams in the playoffs. Yeah, it'll be interesting come the, come the playoffs if um, how maybe under undervalued they are by, by the betting because of some of these games. And as you say, if they do come up against maybe a San Francisco, someone like that, they, they could even be underdogs on their own, own home turf. Uh, Bucks and Rams, both of these offenses. I mean, what is what's going on here? They they just both look uh, just just lost. Yeah, I you know it's 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 been the the biggest surprise of the season so far. 
is the the Rams offense, especially I think going from the high levels that they had last year, finishing third in passing efficiency and being all the way bottom three this season is one of the biggest jumps we've ever seen in any direction in NFL history. And they have so many underlying problems that it doesn't really feel fixable when you shuffle your entire offensive line, except one player, uh, and you're playing many third stringers on your offensive line. And then you also have only one true receiving option in Cooper Cup that doesn't stretch the field as much as other number one receiving options do. So it causes Allen Robinson to have to work a little bit harder and he hasn't been able to separate. And then you have the combination of the tight ends kind of rotating too. The Bucks also haven't done well, and that's really just been because of their rushing efficiency. Their passing game has been fine, and they have the talent to take the the next step up. But if they if they do figure out the the run game part, I think their offense will be okay long term. But it is very surprising, like you said, that both of these offenses have been so bad this year. And obviously, you're being a Lions fan, and Matthew Stafford uh, coming from the Lions, is this? A case of the offensive line being so bad and he's just getting no time to really get through his reads and, and maybe make a play. Um is it is it Stafford just underperforming? It's it's definitely a combination of both. The thing that made the Rams offense so successful last year was the seven step dropbacks they were able to get into, uh, especially on third and ten or more. And with the offensive line this year, they can't hold up for Stafford to take his seven-step drop back. So that's where the pressure comes in. And, and you know, he, and then he he has to throw the ball away or throw it into the dirt. And then on top of that, you know, it, when, when a quarterback gets an injury that usually uh, Major League Baseball pitchers get, that's never a good sign. And, you know, I heard from someone in the league that it looks that Stafford's velocity uh, has gone down about 15% this year uh, throwing-wise. So he, was, he wasn't he was a great decision maker, but re- was able to get over it because of his mm-hmm. insane arm strength. So when you lose some of your arm strength, that's where you know problems really start to compound. And that, that's what we're seeing with the Rams this year. Mm, he, had a, he had a lot of deep throws to, um, to Van Jefferson that just went away this week as well uh, with him coming back. Uh, the Raiders, uh, I mean, just continuing to throw away big lead, one against my Chiefs this week against the Jags. I had them against the Jags. I mean, um, thought that was looking really, really good. And is what, what any reason why they they're sort of getting in such a lead and then just collapsing basically? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's actually something really interesting that Judah Fortging at PFF has brought up before is. Derek Carr throughout his career is one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL playing with a lead. It, I think the, his mindset or probably, or maybe the way he plays football is conducive to playing in a tight game or playing behind. And that's the type of moments that he likes. I think maybe, you know, he gets a little bit um, scared of blowing the lead and that's kind of what leads them to end up actually blowing it. But a lot of the blame does have to be placed on Josh McDaniels. Uh, you know, we've, we've seen him as a coach before not be successful. So that's why I didn't love the hire for the Raiders. But when you're blowing this many leads, it bec- it starts to become a coaching problem. You know, the Devontae Adams had a tremendous first half against the Jaguars on Sunday, but they didn't go back to him as much as they should have in the second half. 
and they relied on a lot of trying to run run the ball and run the game out, and that's what opened the door for the Jaguars to come back in. So that was pretty disappointing in Josh McDaniels uh, as he continues to keep blowing these leads. Yeah, definitely. And I don't like to say sometimes about too many coaches going after one season, but he's got to be banging there with a chance of going. And if he does go, and after how bad it went at Denver, it's very hard to see where he goes head coaching-wise. Um, again in the future because teams will just be scared off uh, maybe maybe uh, forever um, and Carr as well as you say it's going to be very interesting what the Raiders do here with him up is it is it time now to move on from him possibly um, like you say very disappointing second half with whatever the game plan was with with Adams uh, moving on to this week and sort of a bit a little bit last week Obviously, Justin Fields, Bears seem to really be using him in a lot of better, a lot of a better way. The last three weeks, he's he's looked really good, running the ball really well, opens up so much more to a game. Obviously, playing the Lions this week, big division game. I sort of like the Bears getting two, uh, sorry, minus two and a half. Is there anything there that would worry you? Obviously, being a Lions fan, you you know more about them, hopefully, than. The majority of us, um, is this? I just, I just feel with with Fields being able to move, I, I, I like the Bears in this spot. Yeah, no. I if 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 I were to pick a side in Bears lines, I would be on the Bears side. Uh, you know, I think maybe I, like we mentioned, like the like you mentioned, like the the Packers should have been up. Uh, you know, multiple scores at the beginning of last week's game, but the Lions were able to win it because of some flukiness. And I think maybe, you know, people are betting the Lions because they're coming off that win. But when you look at, you know, Aaron Rodgers at his age and his level of mobility, he was able to run multiple times on third down against the Lions last week because of all the man coverage that the Lions plays where their their, uh, corners and linebackers often have their backs turned to the quarterback. So Justin Fields is a top five rushing quarterback in the NFL right now, uh, maybe even top three. So he is going to be able to run all day against the Lions and, you know, might even break his own record uh, from, from last week. So I, I'm expecting him to be able to run a lot. The, the, the path I could see the Lions uh, winning and, and covering is the Bears defense after trading away Roquan Smith and Robert Quinn is one of the worst defenses in the league right now. But Jared Goff has really only played well this year. Uh, at home um, you know he's he struggled outdoors basically his entire career and we've seen that this year as well so when he's going to Chicago we kind of lose dome golf and we might get something similar to golf uh, in New England uh, where the Lions put up zero points so that's why I like that that side of, of Bears minus two and a half if I had to pick one yeah and there's been a long time uh, thing about golf playing in cold weather hasn't now I'm not sure mm-hmm. if it's going to be cold in Chicago this week but um but it can only help to it. Uh, Taja, I know there's a couple of games that you like the look of this week. So I'll go to you. Yeah. So uh, a team that we talked about earlier after uh, after kind of hating on them, I, I, I still like them this week. I'll, I'm going <laughs> to go with Raiders minus six and a half. And again, when you look at the advanced metrics, the Raiders rank 13th in offensive EPA per play. Uh, the Colts rank 32nd. So, you, you know, it's 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 a slightly above average offense versus the worst offense in the league. And 
Sam Ellinger just had one of the worst starts of any quarterback of the entire season so far. And the, you know, the Colts want their strength to be running the ball. The Raiders defense is actually pretty good at, at stopping the run. They rank top 10 at that. They rank 31st against the pass, but you're not going to see Ellinger pass that much in this game. Like that's not what the Colts want to do on offense. And I like this even before the coaching news happened, but now you have Jeff Saturday uh, coming in as Colts coach, never having been part of an NFL yeah. staff before. So I don't think they're fully ready to have someone to like full, call plays in this game, have a game plan ready uh, with, with the right going. So I, I, I do like the Raiders, um, you know, if you can get them under a touchdown to, to cover pretty easily in this game. Yeah, it, it's wild that they've they've appointed Jeff Saturday. It just with them having two former coaches on, on the team already that could have stepped in. And I know there was talk about the special teams coach. He's meant to be, I think, in high regard there. I can't think of his name. But um, yeah, and like you say, coming in and then there's not many days to game to get everyone on, to, on board. Um, who does he lean on to take maybe lead in some of this because you're right there's there's literally no time for him to to get in there and and get his his way across however he's going to to play the game uh as Colts uh coach uh yeah as much as like you just we've just said about the Raiders it's uh it's hard not to like them whether a first half bet the way they are throwing away games and getting into a big lead maybe might be a safer option um but how can you have much faith in what Sam Ellinger's doing with with that game recently against the Patriots? I mean, I think he completed his first pass in the second quarter, if I'm right. And mm-hmm. I think yeah. even running the ball, I think because that offensive line is so bad, I don't even think he's able to sort of do how he did in college and run the ball because he's just he's getting no time to move. He's getting hit. And when you've got Max Crosby and Chandler Jones coming after mm-hmm. you, you're I have to hope there's another another tough week here where a couple of interceptions maybe pick six yeah it's uh I like it Tage as much as I don't like the Raiders it's hard to hard to mm. find any reason to bet the Colts here um for myself another game I just want to talk about and it's about my, my own team Kansas City obviously. They've got a big game next week against the uh, LA Chargers, Arjun's team. So I'm sure I'll have to message him and have a little bit of banter going uh, throughout <laughs> the week. I'm sure. I know I've seen yourself with him sometimes watching the Chargers. Um, mm. So, yeah, we're, I'm sure we'll have fun. But is this the sort of game, and I don't know if you, you use this uh, analogy sometimes as well, but where they could get caught looking ahead. They're going into the game nine and a half point favourites. Again, they should easily win against Jacksonville. Is this where they might try try some new things out? Maybe, obviously, playing the charge next week. If they get up to a lead, maybe they try and sit back, and it just leaves that back door cover open. Um, it just it just smell just smacks to me like they they could get caught looking ahead. I don't think Jacksonville will win, or at least I hope not. But nine and a half is is a lot in today's NFL. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I, I do like bringing this point up because I think kind of with the game that the Chiefs just played where it's Sunday night, you go into overtime. So you're basically playing 66, 67 minutes instead of the usual 60. And the Titans are one of the most physical teams in the league and could kind of leave you a little bit sore after the game. There, there, there are opportunities for the Jags 
to kind of take advantage of that. You know, when you still have Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, uh, Travis Kelsey as your, as your trio, you're going to put up a lot of points. But like you mentioned, like when they maybe in, as it gets into the second half and they just want to run the ball, it could leave a, an opportunity for Jacksonville to cover. And you know, I, I think we could, you know, we've seen like this year, like Jacksonville is kind of a team that can beat anyone, lose to anyone. Yeah. Um, and, and they, they play a lot of their games uh, to a one score margin. So that, that's something to watch is like, they, they're not good enough right now to beat the chiefs, but they might be good enough to only lose by seven points instead mm-hmm. of the nine and a half spread that that's been, that's been given out. Yeah. And, and the chiefs are really struggling to run the ball and, Mahomes dropping back, I think, 89 times on Sunday night. They can't have him dropping back 89 times. They can't have him mm-hmm. drop back that many. It's just a recipe for disaster somewhere. And I know he can move and it and it's ideal, but you just don't want your offense to be running like that. I would just wonder this week if they maybe play Ronald Jones. Not a big Ronald Jones fan, but they've had him on the team the whole season, inactive every week, but they're just getting nothing from CEH. Mm-hmm. They've tried uh, Pacero or Pacero. Uh, again, doesn't seem to really be working. I wonder if this is a week where they maybe bring him up and, and just see just try something different, see see what they can get out of him because he's a player with experience. And I'd like to see him maybe give him give him a crack and see see what we've got there. Um, because if just making him inactive every week, I, I don't see any reason what or we're keeping him on there myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I th- I even think you could see Tony being end up used mm. in the backfield. Uh, you know, I think like I obviously we we all know his receiving ability, but it'd be kind of pretty cool, I think, to get the ball in his hands out of the backfield on sweeps or anything, given his shiftiness that we saw when he was healthy with with the Giants. So you know, they gave a pretty pretty decent amount of trade value mm. to to get him there. So I could I could see him being used in that role. But you know the Chiefs better than me, so um, maybe <laughs> yeah. maybe they won't. <laughs> no, no, I definitely think they could with Hardman and that. They used to do it with Hill, use them in, mm-hmm. in a majority of ways, trying to get them to run the ball sometimes. And I think they tried to get Tony going early against the Titans. And if they'd got up further ahead, I think we probably would have saw a lot more a lot more throws to Tony. But it just the game never worked out, and we scraped the win. Tage, mm-hmm. I know you've got another game that you like the look of. Yeah, the the Germany game. Um, you know, very excited to to have that one uh, early in the morning for me. Um, you know, yeah. <laughs> it's during the day for you guys. Yeah. Um, so I, I like Seahawks plus two and a half against the Buccaneers, uh, this week. And you know, since since week four, the Seahawks defense has actually ranked ninth in expected points added per play against. Well, the Buccaneers defense, you know, has been a very stout unit under or while Tom Brady has been there, has been 22nd, and they've lost kind of what made them go was their number one rush defense. They've had that for three years in a row now. And so teams were being put in high-expected pass situations and not being able to perform because of how good the Bucks were stopping the run. This year, they haven't been good stopping the run. We could see Kenneth Walker uh, take advantage of that uh, on the on the ground. And then I also think, you know, Geno Smith this year ranked seventh in passing efficiency, while Tom Brady ranks... 15th and something that I've studied before is around week eight and nine is where quarterback play 
uh, usually stabilizes for the rest of the year. And so, you know, sometimes in the first four weeks, we'll see someone pop up out of nowhere um, and, and play pretty well before fading into the rest of the season. But Geno Smith, I think, is here to stay. So when you can get a quarterback that has had a better passing output this year with points, with a better supporting cast, then what Tom Brady has, I, I like to take uh, that and and um, in this game. Yeah, you make a great point about the run defense because it has been lights out solid the last three years. Every week you could be betting the unders on the opposing team's running back. Mm-hmm. But this year they have been beat by a fair bit. I mean, even the Chiefs ran, uh, I think, CH and Pachero both got 60 and 90 or something like that against them. Yeah. Um, and in some ways, it probably helped this week because the Rams can't run the ball. So it's maybe hit a little bit more that Buccaneers deficiencies going into this game. We're at Seattle and Kenneth Walker are running the ball really well. Geno Smith mm-hmm. is playing very smart, very clever football. I know he threw that pick six this week, but generally he's not making the mistakes we maybe thought he would at the start of the season. And mm-hmm. as you say, the defence, especially the outside of it has been really good. The middle, they give up a bit to the middle. Um, that's probably a little bit of their weakness. I could see maybe Godwin having a decent game there in the middle. But um, yeah, it's uh, Seattle's probably the most surprising team for me that the whole season where they're yeah. where they're going and they are right in with a shot at winning this division, aren't they? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's that's the most surprising thing is. You know, when they started off the season pretty well, they, uh, I think through four or five weeks, I checked their odds and they were still plus 800 to win the division. And those odds just keep going down every single week as they just keep winning yeah. these games and the rest of the division kind of fades. Um, so it might be a two, two team race between them and the 49ers, uh, which is, which is pretty wild if, if uh, you told me that at the beginning of the season. Yeah, but definitely. And Lockett, Metcalf and, uh, and Kenneth Walker. Yeah. It's a really good offense. And, I say they can just get that bit of a better defense, which they have done. It just shows what what can uh, be done. Uh, yeah. Before we move into the last couple of questions, any other games there that you wanted to speak about? Mm-hmm. Yeah, those those were the game bets. I like. I I can give out some like player props. They're, these yes. these aren't out yet, but just just yeah. have to watch for. Um, yeah. I I like both Saquon Barkley and Travis Etienne rushing yards overs when they when they come out on you know whatever sports book that yeah. you use because. These these have both been really really efficient rushers this year. Um, you know they both rank top five in my rushing yards over expected metric. And Saquon Barkley gets to go up against the Texans defense that we saw was giving up basically seven eight yards a carry yes. to Miles Sanders on Thursday night. And uh, Travis Etienne, you know, gets to go up against the Chiefs defense. I think that yep. is susceptible to to the run game. And ET, I, I don't think the market has fully caught up to Etienne getting basically the full workload now that James Robinson isn't there. Like they were splitting at the beginning of the year, but now he's getting the, you know, basically the entire thing. And he's, he's rushed over a hundred yards the past three weeks. And I think he might do that again against the chiefs. Yeah. And he's had some explosive runs in, in there as well. ET and he mm-hmm. never had them this week. Um, as you say, that Raiders rush defense isn't actually that bad, but I made the mistake of playing his unders against Denver. And he just looks so good. Like you say, he's getting the full workload. I imagine we'll see high 70s on ETN, maybe squeeze the 80, maybe with the spread 
it, them expected to lose and maybe not run it, it might hold him down lower. But you're right, I think mm. the Chiefs' rush defence is able to be attacked. Um, so I'd have no qualms with that. And I know over here we can you can bet some alternate lines, their longest attempt over 20, 30, 40. I would, I would happily take a, a stab at big price on him to get a 40-yard rush or that. Barkley, yeah, yeah. <laughs> how can you... How can you not bet any running back against the Texans at the minute? They are all <laughs> just running a wild over them. And I imagine he's got to be up close to the... He's going to be getting near to 90, surely, in this game. Six and a half point favourites when they open the line. It's it's going to be high, surely. Mm. Any idea, Tej, what you uh, think it could be? Um, I think usually he's been around like 80 82 83 rushing yards if if i remember right and i you know i, I still like that i think this could be a 90 yeah. you know 95 yeah. yard rushing game for him so like you mentioned so I'd, i i like their overs when they when they come out but you know as always for for the listeners like you have to go with with the discussion if it's a lot higher than we thought it would then yeah. maybe uh back off of it but yeah if it's yeah. around what we mentioned i think those would be good yeah uh, uh, and that's right uh, I, I used to not like betting high lines, but as I've as I've gone more and more into betting in the NFL, I've realised sometimes the matchups are just too too good. And the and again, the Giants are going to use Barkley 20, 21, 22 times maybe in this mm-hmm. game. And the, mm-hmm. when you get in that sort of workload, it, it's hard not to not to see where he doesn't. Uh, myself, props wise. Uh, a, a, a couple I would probably look at is probably Godwin in the game, just in that middle of the field against Seattle. Mm. Um, and possibly I would look to see, I'd like to see some news on Higby, but hard not to like Cup again in that matchup because mm. Arizona to the slot on the tight end are just giving up. Or just, just They're just giving up. Yards, <laughs> yeah, just every yeah. game they're just getting torched. I know me and Arjun were on Juwan Johnson when I had him on last time, um, on that same matchup when it was Saints, um, Saints cards on the Thursday night. Um, it was just a, a really good matchup. The Thursday night game, uh, there is some prop lines up for that stage. I don't know if there's anything early that you've seen in there that you you sort of like. So last week for the Falcons, I wrote up uh, Marcus Mariota under completions on PFF.com. Okay. Um, and, and, you know, that worked out really well. It ended up hitting because, like, they wanted to really run the ball against the Chargers' rush defense. This week, I don't like that bet as much because the Panthers' rush defense is good. But what I do like is Cordell Patterson anytime touchdown. And, okay. you know, I think with him back in the offense, um, he scored two touchdowns last week. And they, they really like to use him, especially in, in the red zone. And I think, like, the Falcons' offense will be able to go down and score a decent amount. And I expect Patterson to get one of those. Granted that they don't throw to the receivers that often. Um, so, you know, Pitts and, Pitts and London are often neglected down there. So that's that's where that's probably the bet I like in, in that game. I was just quickly looking at a price for it while, uh, while you were giving that out then. It seems to be around about six to four. In England for for that, um, which is is that one uh one twenty five is it? I'm not sure. Never good with changing them from American to uh to English odds. No, it's uh is it one fifty plus one fifty? It is. Oh okay. Plus yeah. one fifty. So yeah. So uh 
you're right, he had two against the Chargers. And I think he'll take a lot more of that usage now, yeah, coming back for his uh, for his second week. And Cole Pitts, I think, again, uh, his air yards, I think something like 201 air yards this week. And I think he only got 39 yards. It's, oh. it's hard not to want to bet his over because he's just getting so many long throws. But it's also... It just, I don't know. I really want to bet his over in this game. It's just, it just seems to never get over it. Or now and yeah. again, it just it seems <laughs> one of them painful bets that I know I'll place. And come Friday morning, I'll be like, oh, he's had 200 air yards again and caught 20 yards of passes. I'm like, God, I should have known. Tage, before I let you go, uh, any bet that you would place now? before the end of the season, whether it be a, a specialist bet, whether it be for the Super Bowl? Yeah, here's a here's a kind of a, a special one I was looking at yesterday. Um, former former Chiefs, your Chiefs, uh, Tyreek Hill. I like him to finish with the most regular season receiving yards. And so this is plus 125 on FanDuel. I think you can play it all the way down to 115 probably if, if you want to. And, you know, Tyreek Hill is a runaway favorite right now, I think to win this because, you know, he, he's getting 123 receiving yards per game. The next closest is Justin Jefferson at 108. So Hill is up 237 receiving yards on Jefferson right now. Uh, you know, he still has to have his buy while Jefferson already had his buy, but even with the buy and if Hill were to miss one more game, hmm. Jefferson still wouldn't pass him uh, on, on this list. So that's, that's how far ahead of um kind of like the the rest of the the league's receivers right now hill is with receiving yards. so i think if you can get that at plus money in a season where he might even break calvin johnson's record i think you should you should take uh that bet on on FanDuel or, or DraftKings or wherever you can find um most regular season receiving yards yeah it will be available all over here and you're right we sort of had a bit of a joke just before we come on to say that he could be uh the lions calvin johnson's record yeah. This season, it, it, and you're right. It just every week, another player is into the 80s on his props, and you just have to look to the over every week because mm-hmm. he's getting again so many times. Him and Waddle, literally after them two, you may as well write off most of the other Dolphins players, but uh, them two, they're just getting so much volume, so many targets, and if another team can keep in touch like the Bears did this week, it, it's just every week is is getting into the hundreds. Um, mm. Really good, really fast player. So no, totally agree. It's it's hard to see where where Hill isn't uh, winning that apart from something going wrong. Uh, Tage, quick question, Nantach. Get to know the guest. Easy enough questions. So favorite sport other than the NFL? Favorite sport other than the NFL is NBA basketball. Um, I love I love playoff basketball. Uh, and, and and watching it, I think the players are are really special. Um, favorite sport to play? Uh, I, I was a big golfer growing up. I I still play a decent amount, so always always have fun with you know playing with my friends and and family. Oh, nice. Favorite movie? Favorite movie is I'll give a um an American movie or an English speaking movie. It's it's Crazy Rich Asians. Uh, you know I okay. I really like that movie. Uh, if I had to pick like a a Bollywood movie or or Indian movie, Hindi speaking yeah. movie, I'll pick this movie on Netflix called RRR. Uh, okay. it's, it's a really really good movie. Yeah. Nice. Favorite podcast that you're not involved in? Mm-hmm. 
favorite podcast I'm not involved with is No Stupid Questions with Stephen Dubner and Angela Duckworth. Uh, Stephen Dubner wrote the Freakonomics books and Angela Duckworth uh, is a psychology professor at the Warden School of Business and okay. uh, University of Pennsylvania. And they, they really make me think, you know, I, other than my football podcast, it, it like does a really good job at, at getting uh, me to, to think and everything. But this will become my favorite podcast uh, after after this episode today. <laughs> good man. <laughs> favorite holiday destination? <laughs> uh, favorite holiday destination? I love going to Atlanta, Georgia. Um, I have a lot of family down there. The weather's a lot warmer than it is in Michigan at all times. Um, and there's there's Chick-fil-A's Waffle Houses everywhere. Well, we don't get that in Michigan. So love going down there. Very good. Um, that sort of goes to favorite food. So <laughs> yeah, favorite food is is definitely um yeah, something from from Chick-fil-A. I, I love eating like all types of chicken uh with, with different types of sauces. So so that's that's probably chicken sandwich for me. <laughs> We uh we had we were in New York for uh, just after New Year, me and my family this year. So we had our first uh first ever one this year. So yeah, it was a it oh, was awesome. nice. I must admit. Uh, who <laughs> who's this year's Super Bowl and who wins it? Oh, it's a, yeah, it's a, a great question. I'm gonna go with Chiefs Eagles as as this year's Super Bowl. I I do think that the Chiefs will will beat the Bills in the AFC Championship game, and I think the Eagles. Are, are good enough to do it. And then I would take the Chiefs in that game. I think, you know, when you get Mahomes versus Hurts, you you have to take Mahomes. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that would be great. I'd uh, I'd happily love that. Um, I've, I've said it on every podcast the last few weeks, this Eagles team, I just I really feel in the playoffs, something is just going to gonna come a cropper for them. I, I don't know why. And like I say, there's no reason to it, but I'll probably say it every week to the end of the season now. I just... <laughs> I just feel there's going to be a game here where they don't get off to the fast start they've been getting and then Hurts mm-hmm. tries forcing things and we see a shock somewhere. I just, I don't know. I just, that's just a nagging feeling. Um, mm-hmm. Tage, uh, really work yourself and Algenda's podcast I've come on to this year to listen. Uh, really good. Excellent. Every week. Uh, I think what your work does, what the, the graphs, the charts you put out on Twitter, on Twitter, um conversations you're both trying to learn as much as well when uh i know you've had conversations with other people uh fantastic work and uh i really appreciate you having the time to to come on to my podcast just to discuss some of your knowledge with me yeah thank you yeah, i would, would you know definitely love to come on anytime i really enjoyed coming on today and i i think you do a really great job as a host so i'd really appreciate you having me on Cheers. Thank you. And Tage, where can people find you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so people can find me on Twitter. Uh, my handle is at TageFBAnalytics, so T-E-J-F-B and then analytics. Uh, and then you can also read my work on PFF.com. You can just type in PFF Tage Seth and it, it should pop up. I, I usually do some player props content every week. And then, yeah, my, my podcast, Take the Points podcast, uh, you can find on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Brilliant. Appreciate it. Uh, thank you again for coming on uh appreciate it i look forward to listening to your podcast on thursday is it uh comes out wednesday night does it take you on friday night yep wednesday and fridays mm-hmm. okay perfect so everyone listening english people we get it the next morning so uh it's worth listening to while you're in work or wherever you may okay. be listening to your podcast so <laughs> thank you everyone for listening appreciate it hopefully you found some good bets with us and uh and also took on some valuable insight into 
the analytics side of, of betting the NFL. I'll be back hopefully Friday or Saturday with player props. Nine and three, the last two episodes. Hopefully that continues on for a bit more. Tage, thanks again.